Acts chapter 16. And we're going to begin at around verse 6. When you, when you start looking, I would like for you to stand with me as we open up God's word today. And give respect and to the word of God that is before us. Would you stand? Thank you very much. I also share with the first service that if anything goes wrong in your family and you want the pastor or the church to know, I'd like to invite Donna Nelson. Would you just wave your hand in the air? She is our new um, uh, administrative assistant. And sometimes things happen in church and we don't know. Sometimes people are sick or in the hospital. Sometimes you want to visit and you've not been visited. We're asking that you will call the office. This is the line of communication. Call the office. And Donna will let all of us know. She'll let head elder Violet Cox. She'll let elders know, deaconess. And we will come see about you. Amen? So please keep that in mind as you go through the uh, vicissitudes of life. Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. And when you have found it, say, I've got it. All right. If you're on your way, say, I'm on my way. If you just look at the screen, just say, I'm looking at the screen. That's what you, or as we say down in Tennessee, the screen. And we say that for everything, screen and everything else. The Bible says, Acts 16, verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. I love this line. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They were kept by the Spirit of God. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the spirit, watch this, here it is again. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Verse 9, during the night, here it is, Paul had a vision. Someone say vision. Of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, saying these things. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now go to verse 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. The Greek word there says, the spirit of Python. She had a Python spirit. A spirit to constrict the breathing and moving of the spirit of God. The verse 17 says, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. 
they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Verse 21, by advocating customs unlawful for the Romans to accept or practice. Now, it's going to get interesting. Watch this, guys. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24, upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell, the dungeon, and fastened their feet in the stocks. Ah, but about at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains (laughs) came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The title of our message today is prison break. Our father and our God, we're thanking you in advance. For the truth of your word in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What a story. Now I know that it's Easter season or resurrection season, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the assumption is, is that the preacher should preach on that story. Well, today I've been led by the spirit of God to continue in our series in the book of Acts called Ordinary People. But more specifically, to talk, instead of talking about the resurrection itself, I want to talk today about the results of the resurrection. All right? What do I want to talk about today, everybody? Come on, don't get, don't get, now is not the time to get, to get distracted. I want to talk to your boy. Come on, I've been waiting to preach. At least make me feel like you're listening. What do we want to talk about today? We want to talk about the results of the resurrection. In other words, When you have seen Jesus come back from the dead, it ought to change your perspective. If you're taking notes today, that's what you probably want to write down. When you have seen him resurrected, when you've seen him beat death, when you've seen him literally snatch, I love that old school talk that the preachers would say, he snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan and declared that I am God and beside me there is no other Well, when that happens in your life, when you've come in contact with the resurrection power of God, it ought to change the way that you live. Amen? Can we agree on that? Like if if you experience a miracle, it ought to change the way you live. If you've experienced a breakthrough, it ought to not make you more mean. It ought not make you more attitudinal. It ought not make you more puffed up and arrogant. Are y'all listening to me today? I mean, I promise we've got a word. But, 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 but when God has done something miraculous, do we have anybody in here today that can honestly say, I am a miracle, I've, I've experienced miracles, I've seen the hand of God? Well, 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 if you've, if you've experienced the resurrection 
power of God, then you ought to live like you've been through something. One problem with church folk is, is the more we've been through, some of us, the worse we get. Some of y'all, we can't even fool with you no more because you don't experience some things. Lord done spoke to you and now you, now can't nobody tell you nothing. Oh, y'all can't talk to me now. You know, it's funny. People are asking me now, now pastor, that you have finished your doctorate. How does it feel? I feel, I feel just as dumb now as I did when I started it. <laughs> Listen, brothers and sisters, you won't ever see me walking around here telling people, folk, call me doctor. The, word, the bottom line is the only reason I got through this thing is because of the mercy of God. Listen, man, we love, we love to find things that set us apart from other people. But let me tell you what should set you apart. If God has done something in your life, I mean, I, I, that shouldn't be, I don't have to illustrate that. I can just tell you, if he has done something in your life, then it ought to change the way that you live. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor and tell, preach to them what I just told you. Tell them, if God did something for you, you ought to be different by now. You ought to be different. Now, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Paul has seen the power of God in his life. Now, think, 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 think for a second, guys. He's killing Christians. He ain't making them. He's killing Christians, Donna. And then literally overnight, seriously, overnight, he's now the number one maker of Christians. That ought to make you feel good. That ought to do something to how you, you, you order your life. And here's the thing I want you to get. It ought to bring about, please don't miss this, perspective alignment. Okay, what is alignment? Have you ever had a car that was offline and you was too broke to get it fixed? So what you felt like you was doing was making a left-hand turn everywhere you was going. Right? Alignment is, is putting things in order so that they go forward. Amen? So watch this. What I want you to get in your mind is this. Is that in order for you to understand the vicissitudes or the experiences of life, then you need to have a proper perspective. One of the problems with God's people is, is we don't know how to make sense of, please get this. We don't know how to make sense of the details of our lives. Like, so what I'm saying is this, everything you've been through, everything you've experienced, good and bad, has been designed by the Holy Spirit to uniquely give you perspective on what your specific assignment is. This is what I'm discovering about me and about a lot of us. Many of us lack perspective. Now, do you know what perspective is? Perspective is is how I see life. Many of us are like really negative people. Some of us are very discouraged people. Many of us are people who are easily distracted by the things in our lives. And I'm going to tell you what it is right now. We lack perspective. What in the world does all this stuff mean in my life? Paul understood that. He knew what his perspective was. And his perspective was, is I once was lost. Now I'm found. Jesus showed up to me. He's alive. He is alive. He's not dead. And I've got to do everything that I possibly can to tell everybody about this great God. So let me tell you, let me show you what happened. Because Paul had such clarity of purpose and clarity of perspective, there are three things that you need to understand. First thing you need to understand is this. You're loved. 
Nothing in your life will make sense if you don't first accept I'm loved. There are many of us here right now, we just, we don't like ourselves. And because we don't like ourselves, it's hard for us to treat anybody else with any kind of decency. Many of us are always in relationship issues and having drama and and we're mistreating folk and we're always at odds with somebody. Some of us ain't been a day in our lives where we didn't have beef with somebody. And one of the reasons why is, let me tell you something. When you come to the place and accept that you are loved by Jesus Christ, you know, the father said to Jesus, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When you realize your value, oh, thank you, Lord. When you realize your worth in Christ, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what people do to you. It doesn't matter what people say to you. You are not going to be, you're not going to lose perspective simply because somebody did something to you. As a matter of fact, what you do is, is when you have proper perspective, the stuff that happens to you, you realize this is really for me because I have a sense of perspective. The second thing you'll realize is you'll realize that you have purpose. Now, if you're loved, then that means that, or let me say it this way. If you are alive, is there anybody alive here today? Any hearts beating? Well, if you're still alive, guess what? That means that God has a purpose and an assignment for your life. Number three, the third thing you will discover is, is that number one, I'm loved. Number two, I've got a purpose. Now, here it is. Y'all ready? That it, then, then life can never be about you. Here's the perspective that most of us have to choose. We have to choose God's plan or we have to choose the idea that life is about me. Most of us go through life thinking that life is about us. And that's why we take stuff so personal. And that's why we're unhappy. And that's why we're depressed. And that's why we're always in drama. And that's why we've always got issues. Because at the end of the day, we are confused about perspective. Our perspective is not others. Our perspective is ourselves. And I'm going to tell you, you will never be disappointed when you come to the realization that life is not about you. Because what happens is, is you become invincible to the attacks of other people. Whatever you want. See, this is why they could never get Jesus. You know why? Because he was like, I didn't come here for me. You can talk about me. You can, you can mistreat me. I ain't here for me. I'm here for other people. Do whatever you kill me if you want to. But I am here to seek and to save the lost. Please, somebody, just say this with me. Say perspective. It ain't about you. Well, in this text of scripture, I want you to see what first happens to help us get perspective. Go to Acts 16, verse 7 through 9. I want you to see it today. The Bible says in verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. The Bible says, but during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. All right, so let me tell you what's happening here. Paul's perspective is, is God has called me to reach the Gentiles. The, so what he does is, is he says, I want to go here. And you know what God does? And this is what he does in our lives. I want you to watch the experience. He starts closing doors like crazy. Starts closing doors. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, and you're, you got a call. You know God's assignment. But then doors just start boom, 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 boom. And then what naturally happens to people who are not spirit-led and who are more into self than they, they are into God's perspective for their life, they get frustrated when doors close when they really ought to be getting happy. You better be glad you didn't marry him. You better be glad he mistreated you and you discovered that he's a jerk. Praise the Lord. 
Because you were so blind, because you were so blind that you could not see who he was until he showed himself. Thank God for the door being closed. Praise the Lord you did not get the job. Thank the Lord that you did, that you did not make the deal. Thank the Lord you did not go into business with that person. Doors closed. Thanks the Lord you did not get into that school program that you were trying to get into. Guess what? God is closing doors, but with every closed door, there is, for the person who is called of God, there is an open door. See, closed doors is just God's way of trying to get you to go where you're supposed to go. No, not that one. Not, not, not that one. No, you can't say, I want you to go here. And so watch this. Paul and them are like, yo, we need to go spread this word. I'm pumped. I'm ready. He died. He's alive. Let's go tell him. He says, let's go here. God says, the Bible says, the spirit said, don't go. How many have a hard time when God says no? I'm going to tell you right now. You can tell people's character, not when they get what they want, but when they don't. Character is revealed, not when you get blessed, but when you don't get what you've been wanting. Paul was like, listen, this is where God has called us. God closed the door. Now, I love what God does. When God closes doors, the Bible says, then he comes to Paul in a vision. Thank you, Jesus. And while Paul is laying on his bed, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he opens his eyes and gives him a vision of a man in Macedonia. And the man in Macedonia is saying, come help us. And Paul gets confirmation right at that moment. God is calling us to go where? To go to Macedonia. So what does he have right now? He has clarity. Somebody say clarity. When you have clarity. Listen, oh, please. I wish I had the words to explain this. The problem with men, reason why many of us perspective ain't on point, because when you don't have clear perspective, you make a bunch of dumb decisions. You ain't never happy. Every day is a bad day. But see, listen, how many of y'all just want what Paul had? Lord, just show me. Just, Just tell me where you want me to go. Do you know how empowered you are when you get a word from God saying, this is where I want you to go? Can I testify? And you know what I'm saying, Mr. Cameron. When I came to Cleveland, Ohio, and you've heard this a thousand times, but I want you to know, I know, I don't care what y'all think. <laughs> let, me get, let me get in your face on this one. I don't care what you think. Look at me while I'm smiling at you. The way I got here, God sent me here. It may not even be for you, but I know I'm supposed to be here. Somebody said the other day, Pastor, we heard you leaving. No, I ain't. How am I going to leave? The way I got here? The way I showed up here? Man, Freddie Russell, who was the president at the time, called me four times. No, no. I'm a preacher. I know I'm supposed to pray before I do stuff. I didn't. God's not speaking. God's telling me to stay right here in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of my face. No, no, no. Finally, after signs and wonders. No, I'm telling you. And let me tell you why it's important. See, God knew, and I'm just testifying for me, and I know you can say the same. If you don't have that moment where, you, where God's calling you to do something for him, and you ain't sure if God... The worst thing that you could ever do in life is choose to do something or choose to go somewhere. Some of you have young people right now. They're getting ready to graduate. And you're letting them choose. I mean, y'all ain't prayed. You ain't fasted. And you, and you ain't even sure that where they're going is, I'm telling you, the worst place to be in is to be outside of God's will. Yeah. 
and you not know that you're supposed to be where you are. Some of you are on jobs right now and you're going through hell. And the only reason why you're still there is because you know that God told you to be here. It is so empowering when you know that you know. That, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to raise my voice. When you know that you are what? Listen, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what I go through here. It doesn't matter what I experience. It doesn't matter how much little money I have. But listen, at the end of the day, I can walk around here and say, but, I, but I'm here because he told me to be here. And if I'm where God told me to be, then I can expect that the blessing of the Lord is on my life and that I don't have to be responsible for my own success. Because if God told me to come somewhere, then he will make himself responsible. Y'all not talking to me in here. For my success it's about to get uncomfortable some of us married folk and we're not sure if God spoke that word I'm dealing with folk right now they married and they like and and here's a new thing I'm not sure if God told me to marry this person like yo I'm telling you it's one thing to be alone and out of the will of God talk to me married folk there's a whole nother thing when you with somebody and y'all not sure whether God ordained that thing, that's hell on earth. Let's get this in our minds. The first thing God gave Paul, get this everybody, was clarity of perspective. The first thing you need before you go out and you do what God has told you to do is, what do you need everybody? I need to know. Come on, I don't know if y'all feeling me. I need to know what God told me to do. What this does is, is when you get into rough patches, I'm promising you, just as sure as you're born, you will go through some of the most severe trials and tribulations in your life in his will. The worst trials are not out of his will. The worst trials are when you do what he told you to do. Let's look at it. Let's look, look, because I got to run. I got to run. I got to run. All right, here we go. All right, check this out. So once he had clarity, the first thing that happened was he had an experience of comfortable confirmation. Now, I'm about to hurt you right now. I had to hurt myself first, so, so we about to get hurt. Y'all ready to get hurt together? So let me show you what happened. I want you to go to Acts chapter 16. We all in the word, and I want you to go to verse 11. The Bible says, from Troas, we put out to sea and sail straight for Samothrace. And the next day to Neapolis. Verse 12, from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Everybody see what's happening? He's going where God told him to go. Right? Are they not? He said, go where? To Macedonia, right? And did he do it? Come on, talk to me now. Did he do it? All right, okay, so he followed. Watch this, watch this. Talk about confirmation. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Verse 14, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Verse 15, and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And then she says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So watch this. What happened was this was Paul's mission to reach the Gentiles. Where does, where does God tell him to go? Macedonia. As soon as he gets there, what happens? The exact thing he prayed for. He runs into an easy comfort. Easy. 
She was already a worshiper. They had prayer with her. She said, I'm ready to join the church. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God at work now. Oh, I'm where I'm supposed to be now. Oh, yeah, I can see it. That's what happens to many of us. See, what God will do is when God gives you clarity of pers- purpose and perspective so that you don't run away immediately, he will normally give you one moment of confirmation in the beginning that you're where you're supposed to be. So that when rough times come, <laughs> you'll be able to look back and say, well, he did give me confirmation. So listen, this was an easy thing. Oh, I mean, come on, man. Listen, as a preacher, I'd love for that. Myron, I want you to go downtown. I want you to go to Tower City. When you get to Tower City, you're going to go inside the, uh, the, the, the right, right by the elevator, an escalator. When you stand there by the escalator, somebody going to show up. And here's the thing about Lydia. Lydia was rich. So, oh, that's the kind of soul I want right there. Okay. Okay. So, and so, so okay, I obey you, God. And I go there, and just like it happened, I mean, I don't really need to exercise no faith. I just walk up. There she is. And then she says to me, look, I want to join the church. Oh, I don't even got to preach to you? I'm ready right now. Bible says, boom, she joins. And then she says, hey, come by the way, come stay at my mansion later on with my family, and we'll take care of your needs while you're here in Philippi. Paul is like, oh, look at God. Oh, won't he do it? Look at him, won't he will? He's he working already. And see, what happens to many of us is, is we get addicted to good stuff. Now watch the next thing that happens. Level one is comfortable confirmation. Level, level two is challenging confirmation. Can I show you? Can I show you from the text? So they get one of them souls that everybody in the church wants. Rich, big house. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what we want. Y'all don't have to lie. Tell, tell the gods, these are the kind of people we want. We want the, the, the good looking folk to come on in here and sit down with their big pocketbooks and fund the ministry. Come on in, sister. You're welcome here. Then God says, there's some other folk I want you to reach. Watch what happens here. Go on now to verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, same thing. Y'all see? Oh, man, this thing is working. We prayed at this spot. We got souls. Let's go back to the same place. Maybe we may find some more people like Lydia. Watch what happens this time. (laughs) The Bible says, what verse am I at, everybody? 16 says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. That's what routine will do to you. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit where she predicted the future and she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. All right, so here's the second thing that happens. He not only will confirm that you're in his will, Carl, through comforting moments, but he also will confirm that you're in his will, Carol, by challenge. Now, here's the thing that gets many of us tripped up. The minute we experience challenges, we say, God ain't in this. I'm going back to marriage right now. So married folks say, I'm having problems. I ain't happy. Time to get a divorce. You stupid. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why you stupid. Because you, you dumb, you so dumb that you ain't know that marriage ain't about happiness. Ha, uh, 
Forgive me. I, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious. I don't really think you're dumb. I mean, because I, I done made mis- mistakes in my lifetime, okay? I mean, I, everybody got married for the wrong reasons, almost. Come on, say amen. If I knew that marriage was about salvation when I got married, a whole lot of things would be different. My wife wouldn't have been willing to walk, would get ready to walk out on me when we first got married. So nobody gets married for the right reasons, amen? All right, we cool on that? But here's the thing. Marriage ain't about no happiness. How a Negro gonna make another Negro happy? How you do that when you ain't happy with your own self? For, for real. How you gonna do that? How is your boss? Let's go to the workforce. How you go? People just want to go work at a place where they have the perfect boss. Perfect co-workers. Like uh, brothers and sisters. How are human beings that breathe oxygen, that have sin in their lives, that come from broke, how are they gonna come in here? How, how, well, what are you expecting from people that you don't even have yourself? God not only confirms that we're in his will by comforting moments, but he confirms that we're in his will when we experience challenge. And one of the things I've discovered in my life is the best way that God confirms that he's with you is when he puts you through hell. Some of y'all are ready to quit right now because you're so tired of the pain and the pressure that's on your life. But I want to give you a word today that that is confirmation that God is with you. So let me, let me tell you about this girl. You know what she was doing? When you read the text, you don't really get the feeling of what's happening. So uh, I need Paul. I need a Paul. Uh, Farrington, where is he? Paul, yeah, Paul Farrington. Is he in here? Not in here. Okay, uh, Dwayne, come on. Say that Dwayne. All right, Paul. So Dwayne, just walk. Just walk, and you just walk. So let me tell you what this girl was doing. She was agitating, point number one. The first experience, the first experience that the enemy will do to get you to lose perspective is agitate you. He'll put people in your life that just get under your skin. So while Paul is walking around preaching, this is what she's doing. Hey, everybody, here's Paul, and he knows the way of the Lord. Hey, everybody, Paul, he knows the way of the Lord. Hey, everybody, this is the preacher, Paul. Let's welcome him to Philippi. He knows the way of the Lord. Paul, 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 he's a preacher. He knows the way of the Lord. Paul, Paul, Paul. Now, pause. Thanks, Dwayne. What she was sent to do by the enemy. Oh, please, oh, please. What she was sent. What did I say, everybody? She was sent to do by the enemy was to agitate Paul. The first level is agitation when folks start getting on your nerves. And folk, some of us be ready to quit on agitation. Yo, but Paul, watch what Paul, this is, that's why I love Paul. His perspective was different. You know what Paul did? He didn't get mad at her. Oh, oh where y'all at today? Come on, saints. Your boy been gone for a long time. I need some help up in here today. Notice, Paul didn't get mad at her, and that's the problem with many of us. We see people agitating us. That's low-level challenge. And what we do is we go into defense and attack mode, and we start thinking it. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Ah, I just got it for the first time. It just hit me. Thank you, Jesus. Myron, they're not your problem. Sometimes people don't even know what they are doing to you. But you're so caught up on them that you don't realize that this is a specific attack sent by the enemy to get you to lose perspective. But your boy Paul had such clarity. 
What did Paul do? Paul was like, now, it's amazing because Paul allowed her to do this for some time. I.e., patience. You know what Paul did? He turned around and he said, come out of her. The Bible says immediately. <laughs> immediately. The Bible says the spirit came out. And then what happened? When the spirit came out and set this girl free. Oh, I'm, oh I got to lean on this one right here. The people that were using her to make money got mad, not because she was free, but because she won't free. Oh, can I talk about this? There are, there are some people in your life that like you just the way you are. And the minute, the minute you try to break free, your dysfunction pays them. There are leeches, not only in the body of Christ, but in your life, and they like you dysfunctional. They like you demon-possessed. Matter of fact, your friendship is totally made up of sitting around and being negative and being in the, in the, in, in the spirit of the enemy. The reason why you ain't left him and you haven't left her is because, and I'm going to tell you, I've seen this a thousand times. Those of you who've seen this in evangelism, you've seen this a number of times. Husband gets saved or wife gets saved. Y'all remember these stories they tell us back in the day? Husband says, if you go out to that meeting tomorrow night, I'm going to blow your brains out. Some of y'all young folk in here, they, listen, you so addicted to your dysfunctional friends that you're willing to give them what, they, what they're looking for you from you, even though that ain't really who you are. You're not tough. What you really are is you're mad because of, of your relationship with your mother or relationship with your father or experiences you've had in your life. And what you've done now is, is you have attached yourself to people that are in just as much pain as you are. And the minute you show signs that you're trying to improve yourself, the minute that you show signs that you're trying to change your life, they're going to get mad at you because you ain't doing what they did. And your changed life makes them look bad. So what did they do? They attacked Paul. Look at the text. Can I have 10 minutes? The next level that the enemy comes your way with is, first, it's what? Agitation. Second, you know what it is? Attack. Watch here. Ah, yes. The scripture says, ah, verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realize, and that's what many of us are, we're slaves. You're not really a slave to him. You're slave to your insecurities that you don't know how you're going to live without him. You're not really a slave to drugs. You're a slave to the feeling that you have when you're not sober.
You really, it's not that you really don't like what's going on at church. You just don't like what's going on with you. You're unhappy about everything. You didn't like the first boss. You didn't like the second boss. You didn't like the first wife. You didn't like the second wife. You don't like your first child, your second child, your third child. You don't like you. Why? Because why? You don't have perspective. So they, they, they unleashed a full attack, right? So the scripture says, verse 20, they brought them before the magistrates. Mm-hmm. These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Verse 21, by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept a practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. You see the word attack there? Y'all, saw, y'all see it? And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Now, I want to, I want to, and the next thing you know, they're thrown in prison. So this is pretty much the message, and I'll be done. So what happens is, is God tells him in a vision, go to Macedonia. What God didn't tell him in the vision is, is when you get there, you're going to get your behind whooped. Ever wonder why God don't give you all the details? You know why? Because if God told you on the front end, if he told you on the front end, come on, saints of God. I know you're spiritual. You ain't that spiritual, though. I just Let me suffer, God. Just give it to me. Give it to me. Whatever I got to go through, I'm willing. You was a devil's lie. Don't nobody up in here want to suffer. And you shouldn't want to suffer. But you got to suffer. So what happened is you go from, some of you right here, I don't know what I'm talking about. You've seen the satanic level go from agitation. Now that joint done with, does say joint? That, that thing has gone now to attack mode. Does anybody feel what I'm talking Everywhere around you, you feel the attack of the enemy. You feel the pressure of the enemy. Some of y'all are hearing voices. Some of you know that you're in the clutches of satanic power and you don't even know how to get it out. Some of you come to church every week and the devil be on you. He be on your head. He has whooped you all week long. You can't even say praise the Lord. You can't even smile at nobody because the enemy done come in your house. He done come in your job. He done been bothering your family. You've been at war all week. Yo, yo, this thing is real. When I was in D.C. doing this thing at Washington Adventist University, when I got, I mean, I, I, went, I went there because they asked me. I didn't even have the thing from Paul where I got a vision, go to Washington Adventist University. But I know now that God sent me. When I got there, man, and the stuff that I had to deal with. And then on top of that, on Tuesday night, a preacher comes up to me and says, hey, by the way, before you preach, I'm just letting you know, we got a sister here who's demon-possessed, and uh, we'd like for you to help us to deal with this thing at the end of service. So you know they're going to cut your boy off guard. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, let's do this thing then. All right. All right. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll meet, I'll meet you at the Hey. When sir, I'm your boy. I'm right here. We'll talk right after service. Jesus, 
I just came here to preach. I didn't come here to deal with no demons. Yo, when I was preaching, I wasn't even myself. When the service was over, God bless your heart. See, you don't know why God... You don't know why God has brought you to certain places. There are things that he wants you to do. Pulled myself together. Found me some time praying while I'm preaching. Got the Holy Ghost. Come on in here, somebody. And why? And that's the service. Your brother said, listen. And I thought I was like, praise the Lord. I don't see her. Praise the Lord. Because I didn't see anything that looked like, you know, something was about to go down. As a matter of fact, at the end of the service, he said, my brother here is so-so-so-and-so. Hey, Pastor Edmonds, God bless you. Powerful sermon. Oh, oh, this is going to be over in about five minutes. Let's go. Two hours. We went in the dormitory, began praying. Felt like we were in there ten minutes. Began to cry out unto the name of the Lord. And bless your hearts, brothers and sisters. I'm a living witness today that when the Holy Ghost is in your life, And you call on the name of Jesus Christ and declare his blood and his power. Come on in here. That sister was set free right there. I saw her face calm with a calm of a baby laying in the presence of her mother because the power of God is mightier than the power of the devil. This thing is real. And there's somebody here today that got a demon in their life right now. And I declare right now while I'm preaching, come out of her. Come out of him. Come out. We just here for service. We ain't come up in here for service. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, I don't want you ever going nowhere to preach no more. He said, what I want you to do now is go and declare war. We got folk in here been bound all their life. Bound by what their father did. Bound by what their mother did. Bound by stuff uncles and uncles did to them. Bound by the decisions that they have made. Bound. They got the spirit of stronghold all over their life. And we got the nerve to come up in here and just expect to have a good service. I didn't come in here to have a good service today. I came in here to declare war on the enemy in the name of Jesus. Come out! You got your pastels on it, and you got your children and they pastels on and you plan to go have your turkey dinner when this is over. But God said when you come up in here, we've not come in here for no show. We've come in here to declare war on the enemy in the name of Jesus. Come out. Folks came in here bound. Folks came in here depressed. Folks came in here with stuff on their life. And we won't even speak to folks. Get yourself together. Get you some perspective. And know that we have come in here to do war on the enemy. We didn't come to have church. I came in here to be the church. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence. But the violent take it by force. Paul, Paul, Paul had perspective though. He did. And, and let me tell you what happens. When the Lord begins to use you to set people free, you will be attacked. Take it from me. I ain't tripping on it. 
but just know it's the territory. Wait, 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 what do you think we up in here for? We just came to praise the Lord. Man, we came here to kick the devil's butt. I care how you look. What you got inside you? And somebody today is going to be free. I feel the spirit of God in this place right now. Somebody today is going to be and I ain't scared. So, so watch what happens. I don't know what I did with my iPad. I got my notes on it. Oh, okay. So let me tell you what happened. The scripture says that they attacked and they flogged and beat them. Two things. They rotted them. Rotting is to take these sticks made of bamboo. Y'all know bamboo is is, is good wood. They would tie them together. And they would take these things. And the Bible says they put many stripes on them. They beat them to a bloody pulp. Because they did what God told them to do. While they're being beaten. That wasn't enough. Then they throw them. Not into prison. But in Supermax. Y'all know about Supermax in Colorado? It's an underground prison. Look it up online. You can't, that's where they put all the Al-Qaeda and everybody else. I mean, I'm fascinated by this stuff. It's, it goes down some, somewhere like 18 levels underground. They put them jokers underground, and what they do is psychological torture on them. They put them in solitary confinement. They starve them to get them to a place of total derangedness. So what they've done with Paul now and Silas, see, I mean, when we, like, we, like, I hope the VeggieTales didn't mess this one up either. But you know, like, you see, like, you in Sabbath school and you see the stories, and it's like Paul and Silas are sitting there comfortably, and they got a smile on their face. And they're just waiting for the glow of God is there. And they're just afraid. No, no, brothers and sisters. They had just gotten beaten and flogged. You know what flogged means? It means that they take a whip. It has about four extensions on it. It has glass, rock, and metal at the tips of it. And their point is, is let us peel the flesh off their bodies with this cat of nine tails and we'll hit them 40 times. Romans were known for perfecting torture. Now, after that, then they threw them in a, in a solid rock dungeon in the bottom of the prison. The third thing they felt. First, agitation. Attack. Don't miss this. Alone. Can we talk? Being alone has nothing to do with being around people. Some of you are alone and you're sitting in, in, the, in the presence of 300 right now. Can I talk to you for a second? There's no worse feeling. Attacked is one thing. Agitation is another. When you feel like you're all by yourself. It's worse to feel that way. You got people all around you. The Bible says hours have gone by. 
I can imagine they just trying to recover from the beating. I don't know whose idea it was. Well, the scripture, you have to see this in the Greek. The Greek says they first started praying. And what they would do to these brothers is, is they put, they would strap their hands on the back of the wall with iron. Boom. And then they would spread your legs as far as possible to cause cramping. And they leaned them back. And this is the position that they were in until midnight. Pushed them back. Tight, cramps, moving off. Can't feel pain surging everywhere. Can't move. Feeling like maybe God had left them. But then they started praying. Perspective. And I, I, I just, okay, if I can do the best I can to, to try to emulate what I think happened. Father, in the name of Jesus. Blood flowing from his mouth. Tears mingled with sweat. And blood flowing down their faces. In the most uncomfortable position they could be in. Father. Help us Lord. We need you God. You sent us here. We didn't come here. On our own. We need you God. We need you, Lord. Come by here, Lord. If you did it for Peter, Lord, set us free, God. Now, what happens is this. The Greek says they prayed, and the prayer turned into praise. There's a Greek word there called paschal, which tells us what they prayed. In Psalms 113, there's a psalm in there. They basically prayed Psalms 113 to 16. They began to stand on the word of God. They had to remind themselves of what God says. So I want you to see what happens here. Because I've been here in my life before. Have I got anybody? You begin to pray to God. God, I don't know how you're going to get me out. God, I need you right now. Father, my back is against the wall. We're in the bottom of a dungeon. Father, we can't get out of this thing. But we know that you sent us here for a reason. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I need you right now. After a while, you start praying and interceding like a desperate person. Then you begin to think of the goodness of Jesus. And then their prayer turned from desperation to adoration. And the Bible says they began to sing unto the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in you, God. I will trust in you until I die. No weapon that is formed against me. Can you imagine trying to sing while your back's against the wall? Your arms are nailed tight to a wall and your legs are spread apart. It wasn't on tune, but who cares? It came from their heart. And they said, in the name of Jesus, we got the victory. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you got to flee. I told Satan, get behind. Jesus, I need you right now. The Bible says as they are praising God. Oh my God. As they are worshiping him. Can I make a point here? That's why, listen, some of y'all got a pulpit praise. Well, you don't got no prison praise. 
Some of y'all praise God when you in here. Listen, where are my real folk out here? See, real praise ain't, no, ain't nothing about how you feel. It's a decision based on your perspective that God sent me here. So I'm going to praise him through the storm. I'm going to praise him through what I'm going through. I'm going to praise him through getting my head knocked off. I'm going to praise him in the attack. I'm going to praise him against the demonic forces coming my way. I bless your name, God. I lift up my hands and worship you. I don't feel like it, but but my hands clap to the wall. See them lifted with my feet spread on the ground. See me praising you, God. And the Bible says while they were praising God, it said suddenly. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) The Bible says that an earthquake. Oh, I believe that it was Gabriel that came down again from heaven. Simply because the people of God had called on the name of the Lord. And when they began to praise God, the Bible says that an earthquake showed up and it began to rock and it began to reel and it began to shake the foundations of the prison walls. And my Bible says that immediately the doors flew open, the chains came off their hands and the word says everyone's bands were loosed. Now, don't miss this part right here. When did it get loose, Pastor? It got loosed when they began to open up their mouth and give God a prison praise. See, prison praise don't care who's looking. Prison prayer don't care who's sitting beside them. Prison prayers don't care what happened to them. But they make up their mind that I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall be in my mouth. So watch that. Watch this. Listen, man. I wish I was there. I mean, you praising God and then boom. Second thing you need to know is when you praise him, chains are broken. <laughs> Listen, the, the prison you're in will open up for you when you open up your mouth and give thanks unto the Lord. Y'all don't believe it. Bible says them that prison could not contain the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is me. When them doors open, (laughs) Paul had perspective. In his mind, whoa, whoa, whoa. All this stuff, don't miss this, all this stuff didn't happen just so I could be free. The reason I came out here in the first place, Ward, wasn't for my freedom. I'm already free. I'm here because there's somebody here that needs to be free. Okay, so what happened was, (laughs) the Bible says that even the prisoners, you got dudes in there max life. They so scared because they ain't never seen that happen before. Let me also tell this. The scripture says that the prisoners heard them praising the Lord. Now, watch this. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
the language of the lost. Can I tell you how? This is how you, I can't reach nobody. I've invited them to church. Okay, let me help you out. The language of the lost, Madison, is suffering. Okay, okay, what are you saying, Pastor? How do you reach Pookie and Ray Ray and them? How do you reach the drug addict? How do you reach your boss that don't believe in God? How do you reach these people? Can I tell you why? How? God puts you through hell. You suffer with dignity and with praise. And all the stuff you were trying to tell them and your kids and everybody else before that, they start listening when they see how you deal with adversity. Because see, people out there, all they've been, their whole life, the reason why they lost is because their life has been nothing but suffering and adversity. Can I illustrate how it happened? And I'm done. Watch what happens. The jailer that threw Paul in prison, what, he threw him in prison, right? I can see him cussing at him. You blankety blank, get, your, get in here. My brother, have mercy on us. Get, get in there. He was totally closed, minded to Jesus or their message. What opened him up? Ellen says that he was listening to them praising God when he was so used to hearing people cuss in the bottom of the dungeon. See, what many of us are doing is we're giving people a reason not to believe because we don't know how to suffer under adversity. You're too busy trying to hand them a book and what they're really looking for is to see how you deal with hell. Isn't it interesting how he was totally closed-minded to that? And then as soon as they suffered with grace and God sent a miracle, the Bible says, what did he do? He was about to kill himself. Hey, Paul, Paul. And Paul said, hey, man, don't do that thing. Then he came and he says, man, what must I do to be saved? I'm done. That's it. That's it. Rewind. Don't go here, Paul. Don't go there. Vision. Go to Macedonia. In the vision, he saw a man calling, come to Macedonia. You getting it? Not knowing that an apparent enemy was the one that God wanted to use him to save. Many of you are seeing people as enemies, not realizing those are the very people God wants to use you to save. But if you don't have perspective, some of us don't even still yet know. I want to be clear on this. Sister Brown, you know where I'm going here. The only, you are not here to be successful. You are here to save souls. And everything in your life, God designs because he knows there's somebody that needs to be saved. But when your mindset is all off and you get all selfish and and you get all carnal and you start seeing people that's attacking you and you start seeing drama, listen, get your mind right. God is using this because he wants to save somebody. You know what happened to that jailer? It's not in the scripture, but if you read history, it'll tell you. You know what happened to the jailer? The jailer became the leader of the church of Philippians. That's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. That's what wake. Yeah. Somebody out there. God going to use me. Oh, man. It's the, there's no greater feeling in the world. 
when I went to Washington Adventist University, the young lady that's a chaplain there is a girl that I baptized. She was in my Sabbath school class. <laughs> oh, I live for that. And listen, I'm not asking for suffering to come. But suffering is worth it. It's worth it when people come to the Lord because of what has gone down in your life. Can you imagine that all the hell you've been through, God's really going to use that thing to help save someone?